0: y'all doing okay this morning i I look around i said well these this is great for a cold morning as a florida native i don't don't like getting out on cold mornings there's only two reasons to get up and go out on a cold morning before church it was fishing or hunting the rest of the time you stay warm but uh i'm glad to see y'all here glad to see a few more people back from being sick seems like it's about a two-week run on this sickness and uh, we had over 30 people out sick last week, so be praying for them. And then I just got a a text message right before the service, uh, a couple that's in our second service, uh, Matt and Dee Buster. Um, she is great with child, but about to not be great with child. Her water broke, and they're on the way to the hospital, and I I think she has requested Cynthia to go be the birth coach. <laughs> so. I don't know about that, but we'll we'll see what's going. On. But be, say if you will, just kind of send up a prayer for uh, Matt and D as they're expecting a little baby boy. If you will, turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter five. Um, as as I was saying last week, we when I was in Israel the la- this last time, I uh, uh, we went to the place where the Sermon on the Mount is is traditionally held to be, and. And while there, I read the Sermon on the Mount and, and started, the Lord just started working in my heart and I started putting notes down and realized that this would be a great thing to preach through. So we started that last week and we started with what was called the Beatitudes, the Blessed Are, Matthew chapter 5, and that goes, oh well, verses 1 through 6. And what we had told you last week, if you remember, is that we are, there are characteristics of kingdom dwellers the character of a kingdom dweller. Now, when Jesus started teaching on that Sermon on the Mount, he started with these beatitudes. He was teaching what we should be, how a follower of God ought to be, and he was contrasting what was happening there in Israel with the Sadducees and Pharisees, the most religious of the religious, uh, two different viewpoints, but they were the religious leadership. And what he was saying is they had it wrong. And this is what it's like to worship the God, the one true God, and really to worship Jesus Christ. We saw that he opened his mouth, verse 2, and and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And we found out that, that that poor in spirit means humble. We are to be humble. Not only that, we are to, to, uh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we are to mourn over our sin, and over the sin that's all around us, and we'll get comforted because of what Christ has done for us. He's taken away that sin, hasn't he? He's taken away the penalty of that sin, and he's taken away the power of that sin, and there will be a time where we will not even be in the presence of sin. He also said, that we are, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I told you and explained to you that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. And we are to be, use our strength, but to be, have control over it. And Jesus was the most meek of all men, yet he was also the most powerful of all men. And then we found out that we are Hunger, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We have an overflowing desire within us to do what's right. And, and the great thing about that desire to do what's right is that because of what Jesus has done for us, he has taken his righteousness and put it onto us, imputed it, is the term that we use theologically. We have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, and we are filled with His righteousness. What an incredible gift. How can we not be blessed or also happy is what that word blessed means. That's the character of the kingdom. That's the things that we ought to be. Those are the characteristics that ought to be coming out of us, and today I want to go through the next part of that. We're going to go through verses 5 through 7 And let's look at those. Let's read those. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. As we look to adapt this character of the kingdom, as we look to in our character, in our lives, produce these things, we have to adapt ourselves to that character. Let me, uh, let's look at this for, real quickly. We'll look, go through your out, outline. We adapt to the character of the kingdom because of what we do. And what we do, according to verse, five, verse 7, is we are merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We are to be merciful in the face of cruelty. Would you all agree with me that we live in a pretty cruel world? Pretty mean things going on all around? Romans 12, verses 19 to 21 says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. And be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a, that sounds a little different than what we feel, right? Somebody does something bad for me, I want to take it out on them. With great, great vigor. <laughs> Isn't that our natural reaction? When somebody harms us or when there's cruelty around us, we want to we take, we want justice. John Phillips, in, in dealing with this passage, he said this: Justice was the heart and soul of the law. Mercy is the heart and soul of the gospel. See, we're living in a time where those who claim the name of Christ and follow Christ, especially in this country. I'm going to kind of keep it to us in this country right now. We don't show a lot of mercy. We want a lot of justice, but we don't show a lot of mercy. We sometimes forget that God has been very, very merciful to us, that Jesus is incredibly merciful to us because we don't get what we deserve. If I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here right now. No, that's right. Not one of us would be here, would we? If we got what we deserved. Shouldn't we exhibit that same bit of character for those who are opposing us? Look, there's conflict all around. All you've got to do is turn on the television. You'll get it. it it's called news. I don't know what happened to real news. Um, I guess when the, the, the advent of the, the 24-hour news stations and, and then more and more, then they all are in competition for money. So each news station adapts themselves to a, po- a political slant. And you guys know what that's all about? Money. There you go. Most of people spouting off whatever they're spouting off don't don't really believe it but it sells but we as believers we get all up in arms and, and we just want to punish everybody we need to have some mercy we have sometimes forgot that we are to separate the person from whatever group they may be in we are to look at individuals as people and have mercy upon them. Look, I don't like getting run over. No one does. And I look at this world and and you know I grew up kind of fighting all the time. Um. I had a group of friends they liked to fight. I didn't particularly like to fight because but because I had a group of friends who liked to fight. I fought a lot. Okay, I was contentious and argumentative and and all these other things and. There was no mercy until God, through Christ, gave me mercy. And I have to remember, and you have to remember, that we are only here because of the the mercy of God, the mercy of Christ Jesus, and we are to give that mercy to others around us. Listen, when you're getting mad at some sort of movement or some sort of group, when you meet somebody that's identified with that group, Look at them individually. They're people like you and me. They have hearts like you and me. They have the same needs that you and I have. They need the gospel. They need the mercy of God in their lives. What do we do? We're merciful in the face of cruelty. And believe me, there's so much cruelty all around us. But not only that, we are pure in the presence of corruption. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are they are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God, uh, Acts 15, verses 8 and 9. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. I love that passage, because in the context, Peter is talking to Uh, the, the church leadership in Jerusalem, and he's explaining that Gentiles are getting saved and God is purifying Gentiles' hearts. That's us. Our hearts have been purified through the Word of God, through the power of God, through receiving Christ as our Savior. Our hearts get purified. And out of that pure heart, we have this this incredible desire for for righteousness. We have the incredible desire for the good, for the wonderful, for the the, the beautiful. And we're in a place where there's so much corruption. (laughs) A great announcement. I got the Swift Mud permit for doing the property over here took over a year and by the way that's not the only permit we need to get there's a whole bunch more but that's the first big hurdle was swift mud and i'm not even sure what swift mud is but it's they can cause you a lot of trouble and what it turned out is you just want, they just wanted a little bit more money and there it is we have political corruption we are our, our, our world is totally corrupted not only the people, not only but, but the, the, the planet itself is all messed up. But those of us who are pure in heart, we have the promise that we shall see God. We can see God by the little things that happen around us, where people are, are changed and transformed. I, I think one of the greatest blessings of being in ministry, is to see transformed lives. To see how God takes someone from this place and moves them to this place. And you see how God works and changes. And what an incredible way to see God right here. Man, I know some of y'all's testimonies. He's done incredible things in your life. I can tell you what, he's done amazing things in my life. You'd have met me about 32, 33 years ago. None of y'all would want to have anything to do with me. I don't know. Mike might want to, because we we're probably about the same. <laughs> Listen, when Christ comes into our lives, he gives us a new heart. And because of that new heart, we, we have a purity in the presence of all the corruption around us. Not only that, we are peacemakers in a world of conflict. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 2 Corinthians five twenty says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead that, ye be, that be ye reconciled to God. Romans twelve eighteen. if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Wow. Do you realize that, that, that we are the only ones who really have peace? Excuse me. As a believer, we have the peace of God. And we are to be peacemakers. He has tasked us to do that. What brings peace to somebody's life? What brings all of these wonderful things into somebody's life? A relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have been tasked to to share the gospel, the good news, that Jesus, God incarnate, lived a perfect life, totally God, totally man. And, was willing, and did willingly lay down his life, shed his blood to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin, so that we could be reconciled back to God. He stayed buried three days, and then he rose again, conquering death, conquering hell, and giving us the opportunity to have eternal life. That eternal life is through Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, when you introduce someone to Christ, when we share the gospel, when we are ambassadors for Christ, not only do we share it with our mouths, we live it out by having this character of mercy and purity and peacemaking. Others get reconciled to Christ. And others start exhibiting the character of the kingdom of God. And we get the joy of seeing those transformed lives. These are the things we are to be merciful, pure in heart, and peacemakers. Now it's going to get a little bit harder. Harder. Because there's trouble in this world, and we must adapt the character of the kingdom to face that trouble, how we face trouble. Oh, just one quick thing. Warren Wearsby on this last passage, he said this. We experience God's mercy when we trust Christ, and he gives us a clean heart and peace within. But having received his mercy, we then share his mercy with others, We seek to keep our hearts pure that we might see God in our lives today. We become peacemakers in a troubled world and channels for God's mercy, purity, and peace. That's how we are to live. That is the character that we are to exhibit. And by the way, when we do that, that is very attractive to a lot of people. If we are exhibiting that character, we will be able to face trouble. Uh, A there in your outline, the reality of persecution, verses 10 and 11. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake. Doesn't sound like a thing to be real happy about, does it? John 15, 20 says, Remember the word I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Folks, the reality of this is when we exhibit the character of the kingdom, there are times that we are going to be persecuted. Let me just give you some facts as to what's going on in other parts of the world. This is this report was just put out. One in twelve Christians around the world is persecuted. One in twelve. Three thousand were killed last year and six women were raped every day. The report by Open Door USA says 215 million Christians live with persecution. It also identified 50 nations that were following um, the religion can be most dangerous. North Korea topped the list with Afghanistan not far behind. All across this world, People every day are dying for their faith. That's real persecution. Now, we can be very thankful that in this country we are not persecuted. Folks, we are not persecuted. Yet. I know somebody might make fun of you if you're a teenager and you carry your Bible or you stand up for God, they might laugh at you a little bit. That's not persecution. You may have neighbors and and people that you have, uh, that you deal with, people you work with that will mess with you a little bit because of your faith. That's not persecution. My wife, when we were in Sanford, did not get a job because of her faith. They didn't say that, but as soon as she mentioned her faith, it shut down the interview and never heard another thing. I've been fired because of my faith. Oh, not directly because of my faith, but because I was trying to live this character out and the guy I worked for claimed to be a Christian and it met, it just he was under conviction every day, so it was just easier to get rid of me than to get right with God. But we don't live in persecution here. We're not, it, it, we can come and meet today. We don't have to go underground. We don't have to be worried about what's going to happen to us. We have free access to the Bible. I think I shared with the Wednesday night crowd that uh, we were going through a building, one of the buildings in the back we had a whole bunch of um, small Bibles that were made in China. It's interesting. and they're making Bibles for Americans in China, yet the people of China aren't allowed to have Bibles. Strange world isn't it? Always. Listen, folks, we are, are, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are suffering persecution. You need to pray for them. You don't need to, don't be ignorant of them. You can, ignorant of what's going on in those countries. Pray for these believers. Uh, The things they're going through are unbelievable. So the top five countries, um, North Korea, I think it was Afghanistan, Iraq, where we spent all that money, all that money in Afghanistan and Iraq, and they're, they're persecuting Christians like crazy. Um, Syria, uh, I'm trying to remember some of the others. Most of them are Middle East. Maldives, if you're rich, you know, a lot of rich people go to Maldives for vacation. Very wealthy people go to Maldives for, for vacation. That's one of the places where Christianity is being persecuted. It's awful. And we are going to face that persecution. It's real. It's very real there. And there's going to be a time where it's very real here. Did a little bit of research. In the last year, there was over 50 books that came out that complained about Christianity. That were we're kind of setting up that most of the problems in this country are because of Christians. Let me tell you, that's going to become more and more and more evident. Do you ever see a pastor portrayed on television in any type of show as somebody who's honorable? Usually they're just a joke. Do you ever see anybody who has a strong faith portrayed as anything but silly and ridiculous? Young people at an alarming rate on college campuses are turning a big, almost hatred toward Christianity. Christianity is getting tied in with all sorts of things. Christianity is getting tied in with politics. So if you don't like the politician that that Christians vote for, who's the problem? It's those Christians. Have you heard in your news that the only reason President Trump is president was because of those Christians? As you think that, I understand the time's coming, though. We're going to have to face it. Are you going to come to church when it's not cool to come to church? Okay. <laughs> Listen, there is a reality of persecution in this world, and we need to be aware of that. Not only is there a reality of persecution, but here's how we are to react to that persecution. Matthew five twelve, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. 1 Peter three fourteen to 16 says this. But and if ye suffer for righteous sake, happy are ye, And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Yeah, that's the guy that fired me because i had a better testimony than his those are the people who are out there that speak evil of us who know nothing of what we are but they speak evil of us for christ's sake we are to rejoice we are uh, Paul counted it a joy to be able to suffer the way christ suffered we are to be rejoicing that we are honored enough to be persecuted that we live righteously and purely and mercifully, that we are exhibiting this character of the kingdom, we should be rejoicing in that because that not only draws people to Christ, but it also infuriates them. I don't know, in recent time, probably a good example of uh, of, of some of this is the, the contrast between Colin Kaepernick, NFL quarterback, and Tim Tebow, NFL quarterback. Their skill set's basically the same. They both had some issues on skills and, and all, and, and you know they'll tell you that if they were honest. But boy, they hated Tim Tebow because of his stand for Christ, first words out of his mouth any interview was, "I thank Jesus Christ, my Savior." They hated him for that. They banned putting John three sixteen under the eyes. They hated. I mean, he. They could not understand why he was so popular. They could not. They. They. Everybody in the world has tried to set him up to make him fall. He is blackballed from the NFL because he causes too he he causes too much of a stir wherever he shows up. I haven't got there yet. How many people did you hear praising Tim Tebow? You listened when he was doing so well in the NFL. Most of the announcers, he's just cruddy. I don't understand. This is weird. I don't know. They put him down. Enter Colin Kaepernick, who has a strong belief in what he's doing. Has to, because he suffered for it too. He's not going to get a job in the NFL. He causes too much. He causes too much issue. But the bottom line is, how many people you hear really criticizing him in the sports media? They're lifting him up because he's taking a stand. Doesn't matter. Tibo rejoiced in his persecution and keeps on going. Others fight back. We are to rejoice in our persecution. See, we must adapt the character of the kingdom. Let me give you you a couple things here as we close out. How do we do that? How do we react? We we react to our persecution by rejoicing. But how do we develop this character? What do we need to do? Number one, we need to rest in the promises of the Lord. Just as we go through verses 3 to 10, here are some of the promises. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those humble people. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What incredible promises just in those few verses. There are thousands of promises in the Bible. Thousands of promises that God has given us. If we want to adapt that character to adapt that character, we have to rest in those promises. You're facing that persecution, real persecution. As, you're, as you are trying to be merciful for those who, who don't, you don't think deserves mercy or who you don't feel like giving mercy to. As you're being pure in heart in a, in a corrupt world, hold on to a promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus promised that. I have given you eternal life. You can rest in me. I've got you covered. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Promise after I will I will meet every one of your needs. As we sit here and realize that our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world are losing their lives, losing their places to stay, losing everything and we sit here in in a beautiful facility we need to be aware that God has blessed us tremendously and we need to hold on to his promises as we face adversity and as we try to live out the character of Jesus Christ. Hold on to those promises. Hold fast to the promises of God. It will change your character. You will have kingdom character. Not only that, we need to rejoice in the rewards of the Lord. Matthew 5.11 Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Rejoice because you have a reward in heaven. The Bible teaches us we have five crowns. There's a incorruptible crown, 1 Corinthians 9.25. There is a crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19. There is a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4.8. There is a crown of glory, 1 Peter 5.4. Revelation 2.10 tells us of the crown of life. There are crowns to be rewarded to us, that our Savior will reward to us, and that we will be able to throw back at His feet in worship. But not only do we have to have these rewards coming to us in heaven, there are a lot of rewards right here. All you got to do is look around. All you got to do is be involved in this. Saw a young lady walk through there, drop off her baby, and go back because she's practicing music this morning. That girl was a teenager in this church. Those of you who were in Sunday school last week heard her talk about the grandparent program, how that impacted her life. There's a kid serving the Lord still. Because we lived out some of that character how many of y'all Terry Jackson has a daughter named Melissa Melissa when I came here in 1999 that was the meanest girl I've ever met she was she was she was awful I'm gonna tell you she stood in my kitchen on a youth activity and said we didn't want you here, and we're going to run you out of here. Her husband, his name's Chris. I'd only been here, I don't know, less than a month. We had some sort of um, had a guy come in and teaching on Revelation, and uh, uh, it was Wednesday night, and uh, they thought they just ought to have youth group, and they wanted to keep playing basketball, and I said, no, it's time to come. And his dad tried to get him. And his dad looked at me and said, can you fix him? (laughs) No. He used to get incredibly mad at me because every time he cussed playing basketball, I charged him a dollar. (laughs) And I'd go to his dad to collect it. (laughs) Melissa and Chris started seeing each other. And Melissa became pregnant. We kept loving those folks. They, they moved themselves out of the, the youth department because they were doing adult things, so they needed to go into adult-type ministries. We continued to love on those kids. They had a child. They didn't get married yet. They had a child, Nathan. Nathan's graduating high school this year, dating a preacher's daughter. Melissa and uh, Chris waited, they ended up getting married, and they came to me and asked me to do their wedding. I was happy to do that. Chris ended up going to University of Central Florida Engineering, graduated from University of Central Florida, went to work for NASA, rocket scientist. Chris and Melissa moved to Sanford, became the youth leaders at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Chris is now a deacon and leads music at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Lake Mary what an incredible reward for living out the character of God before those, pe- those kids to see how they how God worked in their life and, and, and changed them and turned them into something profitable for his glory that's just two little stories that go on and on and on and on. This kid, he's a youth pastor in Newport Ritchie area. I had him in sixth grade training union when I was at Trinity going to college. Um, Did some sort of activity with those kids and did something. Every time he sees me, man, you were the best guy I've ever had. I barely remember him. You know, I remember his dad, his dad was the deaf pastor at one time. But he goes, well, you made an impact on me. Folks, you've made impacts. Larry, my son, you've made an impact on. There's lots of gentlemen and ladies in this room have made big impact on my children. and I'm very thankful. See, we get to rejoice in the reward of seeing transformed lives then we receive rewards in heaven yeah it's worth adapting the character of the kingdom the character of jesus christ that's what we're here to do if you're here this morning you've never received christ as your savior hard to get his character until you know him that was one of the points last week you have to have a relationship with him if you're here and you've never you know all the religious thing you know how to do all the stuff but don't really know Him, allow us to take God's word and show you how you can know Him in a personal way. That's what transforms us. If you're here, and maybe you've just kind of slipped into this American thing, how we live here, and, and maybe mercy's not first on your list, and pure in heart, and, and these characteristics of kingdom living are not coming out in your life. Repent of that sinfulness. Rest in the God's promises and rejoice in His rewards. He is faithful. He will do amazing things in your life. Make that decision today. Let's pray together. Father, uh, I'm so thankful. Lord, one, you transformed me. But Lord, I. Uh, or oh, kind of religious guy came to know the truth. Lord, that you transform my transform my life from something ugly to something of value. Thank you, Lord, that you've allowed me to see other lives transformed. Help us as a church to realize that that's what our mission is—to carry the the gospel. To all those around us, and the Lord, the ones who receive you, to help disciple them, to teach them, and to witness your transforming power in their lives. Lord, uh, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we do our hymn of invitation this morning. All oh, to Jesus I surrender all.